Welcome to Edge Rush. It is week eight of the National Football League season and teams usually starting to separate by now, but the records are still pretty bunched up. There's a whole bunch of good teams, or at least teams we thought were good teams. Maybe we still think they're good teams sitting at three wins right now. My name is Chris Abbott. I am your host. I am joined, as always, by T.A. from Clev Analytics. You can find him at ClevTA on Twitter. Also, Hitman428 on Twitter. These professionals are going to help guide us to make some good betting decisions when it comes to NFL week number eight. We go through the full slate here on Edge Rush. Uh, I always say it. Listen to it when this drops. Listen to it again Sunday morning. And you might even want to listen to it sometime in between. We'll get going with the Thursday nighter. It's the Baltimore Ravens at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Baltimore four and three straight up. Two, four, and one against the closing number. Tampa Bay three and four straight up. Two and five against the spread. So neither of these teams have really been reliable to bet on from a sides perspective. Looking at a total at about 45 and a half as we record this right now. And guys, for me, I, I quit on my teams real fast. And Tampa Bay's injury list, I had to scroll, and I've got a 28-inch monitor in front of me here. Somebody want to convince me why I'm not going to bet on the Baltimore Ravens money line in this game? I'll start with UTA. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I it's just hard to imagine um, or to believe that the Bucks are – a Tom Brady-led Bucks are uh, underdogs at home here. Um, just if you'd have told me that a few weeks ago, I, I wouldn't have believed you. And it's just it's hard to really put your finger on what's going on in Tampa. I actually think Tom Brady's playing. You know, he looks fine. His numbers are okay. He's top, you know, top twelve in PFF grade, and you know all the advanced metrics. And you see some of the throws he he makes. You saw that throw to, to Mike Evans on the first drive of the game that was dropped. Should have been an easy long touchdown. So. I think from that perspective, he's he's fine. He's not the reason why they are struggling, and their defense is um, six in the NFL. Like they are, they should be a lot better than they are. But the offensive line, all the injury concerns, as you mentioned, the wide receiving core, just has been in and out of the lineup. Just guys, the they can't stay healthy. So um, I still have faith that they're going to turn things around. Not necessarily, you know, to be a you know, the, the number one seed in the, the NFC or anything like that. But I still think there, there's plenty of time for them to do that. In this game, you know, the Ravens haven't been – I was on the Browns last week and I watched the entire game. Like, they're not very impressive either. Lamar has not uh, done as much uh, as, as much as you'd like the last three or four games. Uh, you look at their offense since week three. Uh, they're 19th in EPA, 27th on dropbacks. Uh, in that span, their defense is you know, bottom 10 in the NFL. The, they let Jacoby Brissett complete 81% of his passes last week, and they're banged up in the secondary, and both Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey uh, were limited yesterday. They are practicing now, but um, you know they're clearly, clearly not 100% with some nagging injuries. So I think you can move the ball on this team. They don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So the problem is, as you mentioned, is, is the injury report. So not only are you know, Russell Gage is out for Tampa. Uh, Julio Jones, game time decision. You know, stop me if you've heard that one before. But, you know, they, um, they've they got issues in their secondary. Antoine Winfield is out at safety. Car uh, Carlton Davis is out at cornerback. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting is out. So just a ton, a ton of question marks. I, you know, I might look at the over here. I haven't touched this game. I'm not sure if I will. But, you know, the over could be interesting with some of those injuries to the uh, Tampa secondary as, uh, along with, um, you know, so, some, you know, I think that the, the Bucks are going to throw the ball a little bit more than they have been. That's one of the issues is Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles insist on 
and running the ball on early downs and and they're the second worst team in the NFL rushing the football. So it's not doing any good. So, you know, hopefully Tom Brady kind of steps up and says like, I'm going to throw the ball a lot more on early downs and, you know, open up this offense, but I, I don't have a, a strong lean anyway here, but um, you know, I, I still, it's hard for me to just lay uh, points with this Ravens team. That's been just as unimpressive as uh, the bucks here in the last handful of weeks. If, if I did have to play the game, it would be towards the over. And I know you're saying, well, Tampa Bay, they only the Steelers and the Broncos have scored touchdowns on a lesser, less percent of their drives than Tampa. And you're like, well, how could you be playing the over? But you would have to think it just makes logical sense that there's going to be some positive variance towards the Bucks offense. They're not going to continue to be one of the bottom five offenses in the NFL. And as TA mentioned, the Bucks, a lot of secondary injuries. I think you're missing three of your five starters that, that are in your nickel defense. And I know that the Ravens are not an offense that's going to play many three receiver sets, but I, I know that Lamar is potentially getting back Rashad Bateman for this game. Looks like he probably will be as he was a full participation in practice Wednesday and when they ask Lamar to throw the ball, I mean, he can throw the ball. So uh, I think that the logical game plan for this Ravens team would be to test this Tampa secondary. And we all know that this Tampa secondary and this Tampa defense is an aggressive blitz-heavy defense as well. So, yeah, if I, if I did have to make a forced play on this, it would probably be towards the over, but probably doesn't end up being uh, any play for me. The total has moved up a couple of points since it opened, so you're not the only person who's thinking along those lines, but um, you know, still a decent number out there. All right, let's move straight on to Sunday morning. Yes, we get another Sunday morning game from London, England. Uh, how much of a game it will be, that remains to be seen. It's the Denver Broncos right now, two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, neutral location. Um, this game was as high as four-and-a-half for Jacksonville at some books. Uh, and the total is kind of hung pretty steady around 39 or 40. This is an interesting game, uh, maybe not for all the right reasons. And the fact that, you know, again, we, you know, so many injuries that we've had um, on all teams uh, around the league and, and key injuries as well. Uh, Jacksonville's young offensive players have, have looked okay, but certainly look young at times. I'm going to start with you here, Hitman. Um, any interest in this one? I think if you're going to play it, you're going to play Denver in a teaser as their games have just been so low scoring and it's still a defense that's playing really well. That's just going to be tough to see either team really breaking away from the other. Um, I know that teasers have been really bad to start this year in comparison to other years, but a lot of that has been on a lot of the favorites in these teaser legs from eight and a half, to seven and you tease them down. Those have been the legs that have been struggling a bit more this year as it just feels like this season. There, there's never been a year where like the fourth best team is has been so close to like the 29th, 30th best team. It's been absolutely crazy this year. So I think if I did have to play it, it would uh, be Denver in a teaser in a game that it's just hard to see either team get getting much margin with a, a low 39 and a half total and a Denver team that 
their games. I don't have this stat on on hand, but I would guess that their games have had the least amount of points for any team's games this entire season. Yeah, again, no play for me on this one yet. Um, I mean, Jacksonville, anybody who's back, I haven't backed them. Luckily, I've been kind of uh, avoiding them. Um, they have been the unluckiest team by my numbers in the NFL based on kind of blended, uh, I use a fourth quarter win probability number versus what the final outcome is. And they are, um, they're, you know, by far the uh, biggest underachiever from that perspective. They, you know, they've got two wins and then by my numbers, they really should have well, 4.1, but we'll call it four. Um, but they've been pretty unlucky from that standpoint. And, you know, they're just, uh, you watch that game last week against the Giants, you know, they're moving the ball left and right. Travis Etienne you know, breaks off a big run and then he, you know, he fumbles on his way to the end zone and like the two yard line, they end up, you know, not scoring there. They uh, end up getting a, you know, a fourth down at the 20 yard line um, of the Giants and they uh, up four, they could go you know, take a field goal, go up seven, but they you know, make the right move to go for it. And just a quarterback sneak with a guy who's what, six, five, and they get pushed around in the middle of the line and, and he doesn't get it, turning the ball over there. And then obviously the last play of the game, you know, throw to Christian Kirk at the goal line. He gets tackled like half a yard shy. So, you know, they continually do that. They did that two weeks ago against the Colts too, where they just move the ball and then commit turnovers in the red zone. Eventually that's going to, you know, regress. And so, you know, it could be this week against a Denver team that's having similar problems in terms of red zone efficiency. Uh, but the Jags are just, they've been really unlucky. Uh, even if you look at some of their third down metrics, I mean, um, uh, they're 32nd in third down defense versus uh, expected, and they're 13th in early down defense. And, and typically, the early down offense and defensive from a uh, long term standpoint, they those two numbers should kind of uh, regress together. Um, so to, to end up being 30 32nd on third down defense when you know you're top 15 and in, in early down defense, you know, that should improve. So I think eventually those numbers will kind of converge and you'll get a, a really good um, outcome for the Jags. And it could be this week. Um, I'm not going to, there's, to me, it's Jags or nothing. Um, and, you know, I don't even want to be involved in a teaser. I just don't trust uh, Denver at all. And yeah, the defense has been great, but, you know, they lose another piece this week. Baron Browning is out. He's He's been their, uh, essentially their best pass rusher outside of Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory's already out. He's, you know, been one of their top pass rushers. So they continually get these injuries here in the front seven. That's going to catch up. Their secondary is still great. Patrick Sertain and Justin Simmons. But um, yeah, I, I, stay away from me. But um, if I had to play it, if it's under a field goal, what is it? You know, sounds like Russell Wilson is going to play. Um, I would lean Jack just because he's not going to be mobile at all. And that's really been his issue is if he doesn't get out of the pocket, he's not effective at all. Also, if he's not going to move because of that hamstring, then he's kind of worthless back there, to be honest. So uh, to me, it's Jags or nothing, but I have not played anything yet. Okay. That's the, just in case you wake up early on Sunday morning game in that case. Okay. Uh, moving right along, I will roll my eyes and put quotation marks around the world battle, but it is the two Pennsylvania teams, Pittsburgh and Philly. The Eagles are an 11 point favorite, some 10 and a half out there. Um, Philly last time they were a double digit favorite was boxing day last year against Mike Glenn and Jake from the New York giants. They won by 24. Um, I don't know if the Steelers squad that's coming in here is any better than that, that giants team that, uh, limped in to play them 
on Boxing Day last year. Is uh, is there a play to be had on this one? Let's start with UTA. I don't know. I mean, it's tar- it's hard to just uh, lay a big number like this against a Mike Tomlin, the team. I know it's cliche, but he just continually he just does it time and time again. I guess unless you're playing Buffalo, yeah, he just continually covers these big spreads. Um, he's done it multiple times this year. Obviously beat Tampa straight up two weeks ago. Uh, could have easily beaten the, the Dolphins on the road. That's seven-point underdogs, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs last week. You know, he was uh, they got to the 20-yard line and pick it through an interception in the end zone. So I, it's hard for me to lay in a big number against this team because they just keep these games close. So I, I would never take Philly in this spot, especially coming off a bye. I think, you know, the general per- perception, and we'll talk about this with some other games, but the general perception is teams off a bye should be well-rested. You know, that that's who you want to back. But in recent history, those teams have actually been really, really poor against the spread. I think I saw about 45, 46% in the last five years, these teams off of a buy. Uh, and home teams off of a buy um, laying a big number are, are even worse. So don't use that as the reason to, to back this. And, and, you know, there could be some inflation with some of these numbers. But, um, you know, on the field, you know, the Steelers are, are a game. They've been a game team. And, you know, the Eagles haven't necessarily been able to pull away all the time. You know, they let teams back in it. So to me, it's Steelers or nothing, uh, but, you know, haven't put my money where my mouth is yet. Yeah, for me, it's PA basically said everything I had to say. I promise we're going to have some stronger opinions uh, on this show, but the first few games haven't been much of strong opinions for me. It's tough to Mike Tomlin just continually – covers in these spots the look at the last two weeks against Tampa with the outright win and the Dolphins I mean even though if Mike McDaniel would have kicked that field goal likely Miami wins this game by a nine but they, they covered the seven seven and a half in that spot as well so for me it's a complete pass though So you agree that that was a terrible decision not to kick that field goal? I don't know these rookie head coaches, man. They're too smart. Yeah, he admitted me. so. Like that wasn't an analytics. I hope people don't think that was an. Analytics. You know what was even more questionable about it was I think it was fourth and three, and the play call was just like you had no chance. I mean, you're throwing against one of the worst secondary in the leagues with Hill and Waddle, and you would think theoretically, like on fourth and three, that's the one moment where like Hill and Waddle are gonna get more favorable coverage because obviously on that down and distance, the team, the, the opposing team can't just play two safeties deep or something like that. So, I mean, it was a little puzzle. It was puzzling for sure. as the play call as much as the decision. Pretty sure it was the same play call. They ran on whatever it was before third and two or third and three and got nowhere. Exact same play call. I texted my buddy who's a Miami Dolphins fan and uh, I was like, that is that it, he's like, they're, dol- they're dolphins in again. Uh, so anyhow, that's uh, that's one for the betters to worry about. I mean, they still come away with the uh, with a victory. All right. Here's a game that I think we've got some opinions on. And T.A., uh, I'll let Hitman take the lead here. We've got the New England Patriots. This line jumped a point and a half today. Uh, I don't know if that had to do with Mac Jones being named the starter or not, or there's something else around that. But the Patriots, uh, minus two and a half, going to MetLife to play the, I don't know, resurgent New York Jets. I mean, they, at least they've got some direction since the coaching change a couple of years ago. Um, don't know how many people are sold on on the offense just yet. And we've got a total that reflects that, around 40 and a half, 41 points. So, Hitman, 
why are we looking at the Patriots or are we? All right. So TA agrees with me on this one, I believe. So TA, I hope that I don't steal all your thunder with this breakdown on why I like New England. But um, the Jets, I mean, since Zach Wilson has come back, they're 31st in the league in yards per drive. Zach Wilson has not played well. Under pressure, Zach Wilson has been the worst quarterback, has some of the worst numbers I've seen in a long time. Against New England specifically last year, Zach Wilson really struggled. Now, I know Bill Belichick and the Patriots struggled against Justin Fields last week, but typically the Patriots have done a really good job against younger quarterbacks and they're specifically in their rookie year, but second, just young quarterbacks in general, they've always done a good job against. You have a Jets team that, you know, surrounding their quarterback, they had a pretty decent roster, but as currently constructed with all the injuries, it's going back to a roster that's slowly starting to look a little bit more like last year's, especially on offense. When you look now and oh, Brees Hall's out. They lost their best offensive lineman, and they already had some injuries to their tackle spot to begin with. Corey Davis might not play in this game. Elijah Moore, we have no idea what the hell is happening with him. So the Jets have just lost a lot of pieces. The Patriots, as I said, have owned younger quarterbacks. They've owned the Jets. Yes, only some of those games were against Robert Sala, but the Patriots have won 12 straight against the Jets. It's just a matchup specifically with the Patriots defense, I think, against this Jets offense, which has legitimately been one of the bottom three, four, five units in the NFL of Zach Wilson. And now they've lost arguably their two best players on offense in Vera Tucker and um, Brees Hall. I think that anything under a field goal on New England is worth a bet. Yeah, I agree. And so he, uh, you're talking about Zach Wilson under pressure. I'll give you the numbers because they're, they're pretty comical. Five of 31 uh, for 54 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions, 1.7 yards per attempt. Uh, just an insane uh, stat line. He's he's taken eight sacks too, by the way. Um, so just, just atrocious. But yeah, I mean, Hitman hit a lot of the points. I think anything under three, this thing will probably hit three is my guess. By, by kickoff, we'll see. But, um, you know, I rate Jones a couple points higher than Zappy. So uh, I think that's why the line was hovering around one for a little while. And then as soon as the, the news was announced, um, jumped up to two and a half. You know, the Jets are, um, again, I was talking about the the Jags as the most underachieving team based on some of the fourth, uh, fourth quarter win probability metrics. And the Jets are the third biggest overachieving team. Um, you know, they're just not nearly as good as the record indicates. I mean, they've, they've gotten some really uh, fortunate luck here in terms of who they've played uh, in the last handful of games. I mean, they've beaten Skylar Thompson, Kenny Pickett, Brett Rippett uh, in the last you know four weeks. Now they did beat Aaron Rodgers, but as we've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers, that offense is pretty pathetic. I mean, that might be a bottom 10 offense right now in the NFL. So, and they won with, you know, uh, uh, special teams and Brees Hall and you don't have Brees Hall again. So, you know, he's been their biggest playmaker, their home run hitter. Uh, as Hitman mentioned, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker is out, and he's been really good playing at guard. And most recently, the last three three starts at right tackle, he's only allowed two pressures on 60 pass block snaps, no sacks, 
And now they're going down to what the third, I think their third right tackle. Um, and so, you know, they're going to have some issues blocking. They already were bottom five and a lot of the pass blocking metrics that are out there. So it's going to get even worse. And, you know, both of the, both of these offenses have faced some pretty easy, you know, defenses from a schedule perspective. Uh, but the jets have only produced a, an EPA above what their opponents allow typically um, in 29% of games. It's one of the lowest numbers in the NFL and you don't have your biggest playmaker. And like I said, Corey Davis might be out. So I just think that the the jets are, you know, completely, um, you know, they're running on fumes from a luck perspective and, you know, maybe they're just like the giants and they can pull, continue to pull these things out, but you know what you can't get saved by Brees hall and, and, you know, playing backup quarterbacks and, you know, Bill Belichick historically has been, you know, has been awesome off of a loss and, you know, off of a double digit loss, 25 and nine against the spread uh, since 2006 and three since Tom Brady left. So it's not just a Brady thing. And then other teams, if you look historically, when they've been a, um, a favorite by over a touchdown and then they lose outright by double digits and are a road favorite the next week, like the Patriots are 12 and seven against the spread, 63%, small sample, but still you get these teams that you know are good enough to be big favorites and are good enough to be favorites again the next week, even after a loss on the road, typically that that tells you something that, you know, they're a little bit undervalued, but still good enough to cover. So um, all those things, you know, point me in the right direction with the Patriots here to uh, potentially blow out the, the Jets here, in my opinion. All right. You heard it first. Alternate spread minus six and a half on New England. There we go. Um, I might. I just might. You know, I don't care about my money. Um, okay. So. Here's one that that I'm looking forward to your input on because Monday morning, we're recording this Wednesday night, Monday morning, the Atlanta Falcons were six and a half point home favorites with Carolina coming in. Now we've got four and a half most of the day today. Now we're seeing fours. Money coming on Carolina, obviously. Now, is this a overreaction or do we think there's something here? It also has a low total. So six and a half point favorite with the total that was around 40. Um, we'll get some underdog people interested as well. But um, paint paint a picture for me here, TA. What what am I what am I missing? Yeah, so I don't know if I'm part of this, but I uh, I, I bet six and a half. Um, I bet the Panthers um, was it yesterday morning or two days ago? I think it was yesterday. Um, I took it right away, and it was as soon as um, I saw that there was you know these cluster injuries, and we talked about this yesterday. On day to day, the Falcons were missing Casey Hayward, their top corner, going into that Bengals game, and that obviously we saw how poorly they they performed against Joe Burrow, and then AJ Terrell, their other starting cornerback, who was great last year, not as good this year, but he's still you know a very good cornerback. He left the game with a hamstring injury, and he's week they call him week to week. I mean, he hasn't practiced yet this week, so you know looks like he might miss that uh, this game. They lost their starting safety, Jalen Hawkins, with a concussion. He's already out. He's one of the top 10 safeties uh, in terms of defending the run. Um, pretty good in coverage as well. So, and D. Alford, who's uh, their slot corner, he's also day-to-day. He missed last week's game against the Bengals. So you're talking about two to three starting quarterbacks. Uh, they're starting safety. They have, the, they have the lowest pressure rate of any defense in the NFL. So they can't get pressure. Uh, you're going to be missing multiple uh, players in the secondary, so major cluster injuries. Um, they already are a pretty bad defense as it is. So I'm not really sure. Again, I know it's PJ Walker, but the guy was the number one graded PFF quarterback last week. He was awesome. Uh, and he does have some weapons with, with, uh, DJ Moore out there, uh, the, you know, decent running game. And so, you know, they've got enough to, to cover a, a decent size spread. 
And, you know, defensively, the Panthers have been good all year. Like, that's not been the problem. They've kept themselves in the game. I mean, they were in that Rams game. Obviously, they held the Bucks to three points. Like, that wasn't a fluke. Their defense has been, you know, top 11 all season. They're 11th in EPA, 7th in success rate. And they've got elite pass rusher in Brian Burns. they got a really good defensive tackle in Derek Brown, multiple playmakers at linebacker. You know, J.C. Horn didn't even play last week. He may be back. He was, he was a game-time decision and didn't play last week. So, hopefully, he's back. You know, they've got plenty of talent on that defense. And the Falcons really want to slow the game down. All they want to do is run. I mean, no team runs more than they do in neutral game situations. So, and the Panthers are top five in, in rush EPA allowed. So it's just a really good matchup for them this week. They obviously haven't quit. We saw that last week. So I think they're going to put their best you know, foot forward. I thought six and a half was egregious, especially with those injuries. You know, the Falcons have been covering all these games before last week as they were an underdog in every single game. So they've been kind of the team that, you know, no one was was um, putting much credit to. Now they're looked, you know, they're the market's hoping that they can cover not only win, but cover a big spread. Like that's a lot to ask for a team like this. So uh, just a lot of things look good for Carolina here. I would take this thing, honestly, anything above a field goal, I would take the, the Panthers. So even at four, I'm OK. I mean, we're starting to get closer to territory where it's it's, you know, um, you know, getting a little bit dilutive from a from a point spread perspective, but uh, I think anything over a field goal is okay. I would have loved the six and a half would have loved the six. Sometimes you just miss on good bets that are out there and other people beat you to it. And there was some releases as TA mentioned on Carolina and those were good bets Um, at four and a half. It does probably does not end up being a bet. Maybe it ends up being a contest play for me or something on these contests where you need, five or six spread picks, but I do get the, um, the, I do get the reasoning with the Panthers or excuse me, just on Atlanta. I mean, this is not a team that should be laying that big of a, a spread to, to anybody one because of how bad their defense is specifically with the corner injuries, but two, because of the style of play. I mean, think about, how many pass attempts did Marcus Mariota have last week, despite them being down 21 nothing? Was uh, I'm looking this up real quick. Yeah, they just keep 13. running the ball. Doesn't matter 13. what. How do you have 13 pass attempts, <laughs> TA, in I a know. game where you're down 21 nothing after the first quarter? Exactly. I mean, nothing's going to force this team to throw the ball. So. You're just going to have to have a really great defensive and defensive performance and run game performance in order to cover margin typically. And we just spoke about this is not a good Falcons defense and it's a Panthers defense. That's pretty solid. So yeah, I agree at four and a half lean to Carolina. Wish I would have got the earlier numbers. Yeah, and I actually tweeted this out earlier because I was running through some numbers, and I know they're, the Atlanta defense hasn't been you know great, but if you just filter out some garbage time, so essentially you know the the kind of ten percent when, when when one team has a win probability of ten percent or less, so um, you know a lot of late game stuff and if there's blowouts, they are dead last in success rate uh, against the run and dead last against the pass. So I mean it's pretty comical like how bad they are when when the game kind of matters. And they've gotten lucky just because of some turnovers and their offense has played well. But this defense is really bad, and now you got all those cluster injuries. You know, they make they may hit 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 some skids here. It's usually what happens when these teams, 
you know, have these big runs, especially covering the spread market catches up and now they kind of go back the other way. So this could be the first of many. All right. Next game. The Las Vegas Raiders have won two games. The Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos are the teams that they've beaten. They go into New Orleans. They were two and a half point favorite down to about a one point favorite on the road right now. We've got some injuries in New Orleans. Uh, question marks, though. Not a lot of guys ruled out. A lot of questionables. And Andy Dalton was named the starter today. Um, I'm going to go back to my puzzled look on my face, even though that this is an audio-only podcast. Why are the New Orleans Saints an underdog in this game, Hitman? Um, it's because a lot of the Raiders' metrics right now are a lot better than their record. Um, I'm looking one up that I had written down. If you give me one second. Well, their offense has been really good. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders right now are third in the NFL in offensive EPA behind Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, their offense is pretty good. They do have a really good edge rusher duo in Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. So – I think a lot of people are just saying this is a team that's a lot better than their record. I agree. I mean, they are better than, better than their record, especially with the, the way their run game has been surprisingly with Josh Jacobs in a contract year this season. Um, with that said, I, I lean towards the Saints. I think I would like the Saints in teasers at if you could get from one and a half to seven and a half, but a lot of it is dependent on the injury report. I think that Marshawn Lattimore – is a huge um, – it's really important if he plays in this game or not. You just lost Bradley Roby. They had the other corner that missed the game against Arizona. And when you play the Raiders, I mean, think about it. Like, Lattimore is going to be the guy that's covering Devontae Adams. You, you would really like him to be in this game. So, it, I do lean towards the Saints, specifically in teasers. But – it's an injury report that it looks like we're just going to be monitoring that injury report with Lattimore and Michael Thomas and Andrews Pete and Jarvis Landry and their other corner. It's going to just be a game we're going to have to monitor until Friday afternoon comes along. Yeah. I mean, I I've talked about how the saints have been kind of the most underappreciated underrated teams. If you look at some of the underlying metrics, success rates, et cetera, you know, they've really been hurt by, turnovers i mean they're 31st in turnover epa lost on offense due to uh, or epa lost on offense due to turnovers and they're 30th in terms of turnovers um created uh, in terms of epa so like they they've been totally um hurt and they haven't gained any edge on defense uh from those turnovers so you know they they've really been screwed plus the injuries i mean this has really really hurt them so you know if they are full health or even kind of 75 percent health I would love them here because the Raiders typically, especially Derek Carr, is horrible in this type of spot. He's a horrible road favorite. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. They went to Tennessee, same exact thing. They were favored by, I think, one and a half, two. Uh, I was actually on Tennessee in that game. Tennessee was blowing them out before the Raiders came back to make it close. But they do this a lot, especially in the East Coast. It's just one of those things that you know they tend to uh, to let down. But if, if you know, as Hitman said, I mean, if Marshawn Ladderbore is out again, um, we, we don't know yet, but that's going to be huge against Devontae Adams. And then, you know, they've just lost Bradley Roby, who's a good corner, um, who's essentially their number three. He's on IR. Paulson Adebo missed the last week's game against the Cardinals. He's played well, but he's he's out. So, you know, there's a lot of issues there. 
Um, you know, hopefully you get one receiver back, like <laughs> to go with Chris Olave. It's like they, this team is so close. If they were, like I said, if they got Michael Thomas back or Jarvis Landry and then they got Marshawn Lattimore back, I would actually be looking at uh, some playoff futures with them because they're so they're very talented and they've, they've played well. Like they, if it wasn't for those pick sixes last week, they probably would have won that game or at least, you know, had a coin flip that really killed them at the end of the half. Like they're they're a very talented bunch, and I think there's a chance they can make a run. But until they get healthy, it's just hard to hard to put those things together. So I have nothing here. I mean, I think this could be a really high scoring game, especially if if those corners are out. That might be the other angle is looking at the over. I mean, the numbers already moved. You're gonna you know close to fifty here, but uh, you know the, the Saints haven't stopped anybody uh, since Lattimore has been hurt in the last few weeks. So it could be a ton of points here, and the Raiders don't stop anybody either uh, in their secondary. So. Uh, it, it, take a look at the injury report. If if all those corners are out for for the Saints, um, take a look at the over. Hey, TA, um, you mentioned that you were higher on the Saints rest of the season if they do get healthy. I completely agree with you, and I was big on Saints overs on their regular season win total coming into the year. And right now, you get the Saints ten to one to win the NFC South yeah. on DraftKings. That's a fine bet, in my opinion, and. Again, everybody's got to remember with these long shots. Obviously, I don't think the Saints are going to win the division, but at ten to one, I think that there is some value, and I think that it should probably be priced at like six to one. Yeah, and you can get them. Um, I mean, what's their playoff odds? I think like seven to one or something in playoffs. Like I, I was going to take that. I mean, because if they win this game, that number will drop. But like I said, I just need. I, I just want just t- give me some healthy roster situation and they can make that run. Um, you know, you just don't want it, the, the season to get away from them too quick because then they'll kind of, they may trade some guys, you know, they, they need to recoup some draft picks because they made that awful trade with the Eagles um, for the left tackle uh, who's been out for, for the season. And so they don't have their first round pick this year. So they definitely have to uh, replenish some picks. So if they lose this week, there's a chance they can start dumping some players um, in the trade market. But if they win, then I, you know, and they get start to get healthy. I agree. Like that, that could be a real. They got a real shot at uh, at making the playoffs, and maybe winning the division. Maybe another NFC team with a real shot is the Dallas Cowboys. They're five and two straight up and against the spread. Um, they nearly beat the Philadelphia Eagles with a backup quarterback, um, although who's cemented himself to be at least a serviceable backup quarterback. Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites at home to the Bears, um, who had, you know, the the upset win, if you want to call it that. At least the, the size of the win was a little bit of an upset last weekend. Um, the total has come down a couple of points to 42 and a half, 43 from where it opened, but the spread's relatively stayed the same and Ezekiel Elliott is doubtful for this game um I'll start with you here TA any play on this one or any any thoughts no I got nothing like the Bears I got had them in the first half on Monday night so it was a nice winner they played well uh I would hope that Dallas is going to defend Justin Fields in that offense a lot better than Belichick did I mean it almost feels like Belichick didn't even game plan for that he didn't spy Fields at all it feels like he was just game planning for the Jets, which makes me feel better about the Jets, about that pick against the Jets this week. Um, thinking that his team could just, you know, win this without really um, focusing on 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 the Bears. Uh, I think Dallas will obviously have a better game plan. So much more speed on Dallas's defense with Micah Parsons and, and those linebackers, uh, Demarcus Lawrence against Justin Fields. So he's not going to be, he's not going to have all the that open space like he did uh, in. Uh, 
against New England. So I don't think they'll be nearly as successful from that standpoint. Um, I think they can confuse him. Uh, they do blitz a decent rate, and he's dead last uh, against the blitz. So, you know, there's a chance that you can see a bunch of turnovers here. Uh, I know. Uh, I, to me, this is a stay away. It's, uh, I hate taking, you know, these large spreads, but, um, you know, there there could be some merit uh, to the Cowboys. Um you know, if we get under, you know, if we could get to eight and a half and get a teaser down under that two and a half number, could be worth taking a shot at them. We'll see if the market starts, you know, putting putting some money uh, with the Bears. I will say, without Ezekiel, um, f- finally T- Tony Pollard is going to get his look, and he he could explode here. So I'm sure Hitman's already looking at some props <laughs> with Pollard, but uh, uh, you know that could open up some explosive offensive plays and maybe make you know the Cowboys from a um, you know, I'd actually think it's, I'd rather have that if I'm a Cowboys backer than actually have Zeke in the lineup, to be honest. Yeah. Um, nine and a half. I mean, I did do a seven point teaser earlier for a small bet where I included Dallas in that after the Robert Quinn trade. Um, you have to wonder, it's funny, like the bears had all that momentum after that win. And I bet you there's guys in the bears locker room that are thinking like, oh my God, maybe we can make the playoffs this year. You know, we just got our third win of the season. And then you just make a move that's clearly looking forward to, to the future for the Bears. So I, I don't got I don't got much in this one. I think that the Dallas defense probably dominates this Bears offensive line. And Justin Fields has been under pressure uh, a lot this season. You know, a league high percentage of dropbacks. He's been pressured in Dallas is probably the best pass rush in the league right now. So for me, I think that if you could get Dallas in some sort of teaser, maybe worth a look, but that's really all I got. Okay. The next game on the schedule is very, very important for you to nail. And let me tell you why I'm going, I'm going to the Dolphins Detroit Lions game. It's a, it's a relatively reasonable drive uh, for us from Toronto. We're going to go to uh, Michigan on Saturday night for the game and then we're going to take this one in. So with that said, make sure you give me real good information here. Uh, Dolphins, three and a half point favorite on the road. It opened at three. The total opened at 50, sitting around 51 at most places. Notably, our friends at Circa have gone to 52. Um, I'm actually not super excited about this game as it stands because the Lions are really tough to watch. But um, I guess I'll start with... uh, I don't even know where I'm supposed to be. Hitman, right? Uh, Why don't you uh, take the lead on this one? So uh, I'm going to ask TA a question. TA, what team do you have better in your power ratings and by uh, how big of a margin? Is it Miami or Green Bay? Oh, I have Miami. Um, Probably by a point or so, you would say. That's about where I'm at. Yeah, I'm more down on Green Bay than others, more than others. But, yeah, I think Miami is at least a point better. Yeah, so I, I have the same. And the look ahead, which is widely available at a lot of shops, Green Bay is at Detroit next week, and Green Bay opened minus three and a half. And Mm. as of yesterday, Miami was minus three for this week at Detroit, which just made absolute no sense. I know that these look aheads tend to be a little bit more inefficient, but it just made no logical sense that Miami was getting less than Green Bay now. It's up to three and a half. I did bet Miami minus three. Three and a half is a no play for me. But if you do monitor this line and it does go back to three, 120, 
I like Miami in this game. I think that the Dolphins, they've played a really tough opposing schedule of offenses, of, de- of defenses this year, and they still have pretty good offensive metrics. So now you're playing the worst defense possibly in the entire NFL. And I think that this Lions team is a bit they're, – they're, they remind me of what people thought Seattle was a few weeks ago. Remember everyone was saying about Seattle – oh, well, this defense is just historically bad and the offense can't keep playing, putting up the numbers they're playing, they're, they're putting up. Well, Detroit, we're starting to see they're not putting up the offensive numbers that they're previously put, putting up. They haven't scored a touchdown in their last two games. And the defense, unlike Seattle, whose defense has gotten better, presumably because they have a pretty good defensive coach, the Lions' defense is just absolutely terrible. And – the Lions are playing a ton of man coverage this year, and Tua has been really good against man coverage, and good luck covering Waddle and Hill in man coverage. So it's a no play at three and a half, but monitor the line. Very well might see those threes come back, and then I would be on Detroit. Or, excuse me, I would be on Miami. Yeah, no play for me, but, you know, I think, Chris, you're going to enjoy this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I mean, you've got, I mean, you got Waddle and Tua, or, or Waddle and uh, Hill. Could be breaking off some huge, huge plays. You've got a mind. So that why I'm not, you know, I understand where from a power rating perspective, uh, Miami should be more like three and a half, four. So I agree there. My issue is the injury concerns with Miami's defense because their secondary has like four guys who are who could be out. Uh, their cornerback depth is completely depleted. Uh, they just lost their starting safety, Brandon Jones, who's a really good safety. So. You know, they, so they've got essentially one cornerback, one healthy cornerback, and they've got one, well, maybe one and a half healthy safeties. Uh, so, and they've been bad defending the pass anyway. They've been one of the worst pass defenses. So I think we're going to see a ton of points. And, you know, Detroit has struggled here, like you mentioned, the last couple of weeks, but they played, you know, in, you know, played New England, tough defense. They're seventh in EPA. They played Dallas, who's number one uh, in EPA. So, you know, against good defenses, Jared Goff and this, this team is going to struggle. But against, you know, indoors, they've, you know, they put up points when it's been indoors against some of these mediocre to bad defenses. And I consider Miami uh, below average for sure, especially with the injuries. And it's just one of those things. I always get Detroit games wrong. So I don't even want to touch this. Uh, I just think there's going to be a ton of points. I may look at the Miami team total, actually, um, uh, potentially. But, you know, I just think the the Lions always have that backdoor capabilities. They never quit. And against a bad defense, you know, they can easily cover this number at the end, you know, at three and a half. I mean, at three, you feel a lot safer, obviously. Um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Amron St. Brown should, you know, will be playing. I saw DeAndre Swift did practice today. So that's going to obviously help things. He's been a huge, you know, they've been missing that, that home run hitter. So having those two guys in there, I think will really help. Uh, it doesn't matter against a team like Dallas, um, but against a team like Miami at home, I think they have a better shot. So, I mean, I think three is the right number. Three and a half, I wouldn't touch. Like, uh, But I think, you know, maybe some of the, these team totals would be interesting because I think um, on the turf, like you said, man coverage against Waddle and Hill in the dome on turf could get ugly for, for that defense. But I think you're going you're to get an entertaining game, Chris. So I wouldn't feel uh, I wouldn't feel too bad about going to this one. All right, well, you, you sold me on it. I'm going with a Dolphins fan. He'll probably be wearing Dolphins gear. So if we make it out of Detroit alive, I'll let you know next week when we get back. Um, so over it is. Uh, we're down with the over Miami team total and 
and uh, we'll we'll figure out some props along the way. Something to something to cheer for. All right, um, getting to the end of the afternoon slate. Early start for the folks in Minnesota as they welcome the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the money's been coming in on Arizona. They were a five and a half point underdog when this one opened. Now sitting as three and a half point underdogs. Minnesota's coming off a bye. We've got the total around 49 pretty much across the board right now. Uh, Vikings, even though they're 5-1 and one straight up, are 2-4 and four against the spread. And I guess there's some renewed faith in the Cardinals for some reason. Um, I'll go with you here, TA. What, what do we got? You said for some reason, so I'll, try, I'll give you some reasons because I'm on Arizona plus four, and I think anything over a field goal is fine. I actually have them on the money line too, and I would look at uh, some of those alternative – uh, Arizona numbers too, by the way, as a favorite, just, I, I think this is kind of that type of spot that fits uh, some of these kind of um, outlier tales from a, a, an underdog perspective. I mean, we saw DeAndre Hopkins come back uh, for Arizona last week. It's night and day. Kyler Murray uh, had his best EPA performance of the season. It's not coincidence. Uh, it's been like this for two seasons now. Uh, when, when he plays Arizona's offense is Top three in, in the NFL in terms of EPA offense without Hopkins, they're more like 20 to 25. It's just night and day. And they're going up against a Minnesota team who honestly is not that much different from what we've seen with, you know, the Giants and the Jets, just complete overachievers. I mean, they're five and one straight up, as you mentioned, two and four against the spread. If you look at their, again, I keep going back to this well, but it, it helps keep things in perspective. Their fourth quarter win probability numbers, they play more like a 500 team. Um, and if you go back, I have 20 years worth, a little over 20 years worth of data here. Uh, the Vikings win percentage over expected based on this fourth quarter win share uh, through six weeks is the 12th highest that I've seen out of 800 teams. So they are clearly due for some in-season regression. And all they do is play close, game, close games. They did that last year as well, but they're just winning all of them now. I mean, they needed a, a comeback to beat. Uh, the Lions, um, they didn't look good against, you know, Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. They needed like a record number of penalties by, by the Dolphins. Dolphins put up over 400 yards in that game. They fumbled inside the 20. Like it, my, Minnesota didn't do anything on offense except for uh, that Delvin Cook touchdown. And I think one other throw. Other, otherwise, they punted almost every other down or uh, every other drive. Uh, but they really, really are um, not what you would think of from a 501 team. Their defense struggles too. I mean, they're middle of the pack or worse in most defensive categories. Uh, and they've done so against, as I mentioned, you know, Skylar Thompson, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Andy Dalton. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, you know, Jared Goff in that Lions offense that didn't have DeAndre Swift or Emron St. Brown, who left halfway through the game. So they've caught every break when it comes to opposing offenses. So, you know, and, and we saw week one, they beat, you know, the, the Packers with Aaron Rodgers, but that's not impressive anymore. So they really haven't done much. And their pass defense is dead last in yards per attempt allowed, almost eight yards per attempt. Uh, they've allowed 8.1, 9.2, and 8.2 yards per attempt. Three really big numbers to Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and the combination of Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater, which, Teddy Bridgewater last few weeks. So... Nothing impressive here. Kyle Murray is by far the best quarterback they will have faced um, so far in the, in the last handful of weeks. They're going to get back James Conner, so that's going to help on offense. And the other thing is Kirk Cousins is awful against the Blitz. We know historically he really struggles with pressure in his face. Uh, this year he's 34th uh, in the NFL out of 37 quarterbacks in PFF grade when facing a Blitz. 
outside of Justin Fields, he has by far the largest uh, difference in PFF grade versus a blitz than without. And Arizona blitzes at the second highest rate in the NFL. This is a really bad matchup for him. So I, I just think that, and, and the, the Cardinals have faced really good offenses. They faced the Chiefs, the Rams, the Eagles, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. So they've been battle tested and they've played really well outside of that first, you know, they got blown out by the, by the uh, Chiefs when half their defense was injured. You know, they're top, uh, they're eighth in the NFL in EPA on defense, top 13 against the run and the pass since that opener. So they played really well. I think this is a great spot for them. Uh, teams like the Vikings um, off of a bye and are favored by over a field goal. It's not a good spot. They're seven and 12 against the spread since 2020. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm sorry, one and six against the spread uh, since 2020. And, you know, you look at, oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the numbers wrong. So um, they used to be a great team at home. Uh, they were 16 and nine against the spread from 2015 and 2019 as a home favorite. That's totally reversed. They're seven and 12 since 2020 at home against the spread. And as a favorite of three and a half or more, they're only one and six. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned before that, you know, off a of buy uh, teams that are favored by over a field goal at home since 2000, are only 48% against the spread. So, you know, that is overcompensated, I think by some of the market numbers. Um, and then just in general, like these, these these road dogs in kind of that sweet spot that just over a field goal so three and a half to just under a touchdown have for the last three years continue to cover and they win outright 27 and 14 against the spread this year and 15 of those 24 covers were uh, outright wins so like it's just a really really nice spot i think for um this arizona team and, and Kyler murray's awesome on the road 15 15 and 2 against the spread as a road dog in regular season games. I mean, it's just incredible. It's 10 and one as a road dog over a field goal. Like this, everything points to the Cardinals here. And I think there's, there are um, certain scenarios where this could be like a Cardinals win by seven or more. So look at those alt lines as well. I agree with a lot of what TA said and Arizona is certainly the side that I would look towards. Um, Kirk Cousins really struggles against the blitz and Arizona is a heavy blitz defense but um the one thing that maybe does keep me off arizona and like i said i still would lean to them but the injury report on the the cardinals offensive line you obviously lost justin Pugh uh recently and you have Brodney hudson as a dnp right now dj humphreys as a dnp max garcia as a dmp so um, Cody Ford limited right now. I would just like to maybe get a little more, um, a little more certainty in that injury report. But I do agree that Arizona three and a half or better would be where my uh, lean would be towards. Yeah, I think for me, it, would that makes a lot of sense. The only issue is, um, you know, I don't, the Vikings don't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and you know, you've got Kyler Murray. So if I'm going to have a, you know, quarterback back there. <laughs> who's going to have a banged up O-line. I'm okay with it being a guy like Kyler Murray. If it was a, you know, Tom Brady or a statue back there, it'd be more of an issue. But, um, but yeah, that's definitely, you know, not ideal to not have, you know, a couple of their offensive linemen. Didn't, didn't hurt them last week against New Orleans, which one of the reasons why I, I teased New Orleans didn't, <laughs> didn't end up mattering. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not ideal, but, um, you know, at least Kyler can get, get away from some of those, those pass rushes if he has to. All right. That was a great breakdown. Now you're going to make me bet on the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's okay. I swore, I swore off them. 
Um, I've sworn off the Indianapolis Colts as well. Uh, not the Colts, but two teams in their division. Tennessee is a one-point favorite on the road heading to Houston to uh, to open the afternoon window. This one's interesting because this one opened at two and a half, three and a half even. And I say they're a one-point favorite. That's at one book I'm looking at. I see twos. I see two and a half. I see one and a half. So this game is all over the place. Tennessee has won 10 of its last 11 divisional games, which is not saying much because it's not a great division. Um, The last five times these teams have played at Houston, the total has gone over. Again, take that for what you will, but I thought it was an interesting stat. Uh, Total sits at 40 for this game. has actually come down a point since the Open. Um, Hitman, hit me with your best shot here. I like the Titans. Now, a lot of the reason that this line is as low as it is is because of the uncertainty with Ryan Tannehill. But just reading the tea leaves – on his injury, it really does seem that Tannehill is probably going to play in this game. The, the Titans are all about their run game. They, they run the ball on first down uh, more than any team other than Atlanta. Houston is the worst, second worst run defense on first down. Derrick Henry's last three games against the Texans, he hasn't run for 100 yards in three straight games. He hasn't ran for 150 yards in three straight games. He's ran for 200 yards in three straight games against Houston. And their run defense is even worse this season so far. So I think that the Titans are going to be able to run the ball. Houston, we know that they want to run the ball, but the Titans are a really good run defense. And I just think that this line on the look ahead was four. And what? why the reason for the adjustment? I, I mean, other than the Tannehill injury, but I mean, it, it's more likely than not he's going to play. But I mean, the Titans did nothing last week to get downgraded, and Houston certainly did nothing to get upgraded against the Raiders. So it's a little bit puzzling of a line to me. And I do expect when Tannehill gets ruled into this game, the line probably moves to three, which is where I think it should be. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't take this, but I i mean, I don't know why people were – I mean, I know why the line moved. You know why, Hitman. But, uh, I know um, why it moved, but, um, you know, I, I don't agree with it. I think – I don't know, like, why are you in a hurry? Or I'm just saying you as in, like, the, whoever released it. Why are you in a hurry to pack the Texans as a um, short dog? Like, I don't – there. I could name about 50 quarterbacks that would be on the opposite side, and I probably still wouldn't – you know, essentially take Houston as a pick them. Uh, so I'm not sure what, especially it's a run heavy team. Like you mentioned, let's say, let's say Willis did play. Okay. So they're going to hand the ball to Henry 35 times and Willis is going to keep a read option the other 20 times. And he's a fantastic athlete. So you don't even have to throw the ball and you can still come out with a win. Like I, that, that wasn't the, you know, that, that wasn't the injury <laughs> uh, news that I would like chase to be honest. So, yeah, like there is no way you could. I would never take attack the Houston here in a million years, um, as you know, essentially close to a pick 'em. It would be Titans or nothing. Um, and I did see Tannehill, you know, was walking to the podium press conference. He looked fine. Uh, now, still, he's hoping to play, so it's kind of a seems like it's a you know 50 50 shot, but I don't know. Like, okay, you get stuck with Titans, like you have Titans minus what one and a half or two. Okay, so you're just going to run the ball 50 times with, with, Malik Willis and Derrick Henry and the Texans are missing Nico Collins who's their only deep threat outside of Brandon Cooks 
it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, I have gotten the Titans wrong a lot, and it's crazy because they just defy all the stats. They have lost the yards per play game three straight games and have, have won and covered all three. I don't, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they won last week. I was on the Colts straight up and on a teaser, and somehow they didn't cover that, even though the Titans – I don't think the Titans – did the Titans score an offensive touchdown? I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, I know they – they had that pick six, that horrible pick six by Matt Ryan, but the Titans just didn't do anything. They just don't make mistakes. That's the thing. Like when they get to the red zone, they score. Uh, and otherwise they don't turn the ball over ever. And their defense is kind of, you know, they allow big plays, but they tighten up. Like they just, they're just really frustrating to to model out because they shouldn't be winning these games, but they're so well coached and they don't turn the ball over, and they don't make mistakes, and they just let the other team make mistakes. And so that's how they've been winning and covering. And, you know, I I'm just have zero interest in backing the Texans no matter who the quarterback is. So, you know, I'd I, honestly I'd almost rather have let Willis start and let this go to Houston minus one. I mean, I'll take, I'll t I'll take just them running the, the wishbone uh, over overtaking the Texans here. All right, staying in the division. And I said I'm off the Colts, and I am. I, I can't see myself touching this game at all. And, of course, they had to put it in, in the late window, so I'll probably be looking to get something down after a disastrous opening window. But you've got the Commanders and the Colts. This game opened four and a half Indianapolis uh, home favorite. News breaks that Matt Ryan is done. It flips two points. That doesn't flip. It moves two points to two and a half. And then the market corrects itself today, bringing it back to a field goal spread for the home team and Sam Ellinger. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what do you think, T.A.? I don't know either. <laughs> I have zero interest in this game. Uh, was on both teams last week. One, you know, Washington was great. Tyler Heineke is a clear, you know, it's a clear upgrade. He just makes plays, whereas Carson Wentz does not. Uh, but, you know, he, they still have limitations. And I don't know what to do with this Colts team. I mean, they're, they're very frustrating. I, I, I hate fading uh, the new quarterback that comes in. Uh, I just, it just never works out. Uh, and, you, and this guy and Sam Ellinger can run. He's got a lot of uh, scrambling ability, which is kind of the new age. Um, just go with the young guy who can make plays out of the, out of pocket. And so, you know, I just have no interest in either side here. Uh, I think this is the right number. I think three is the right number and just not going to touch it. I agree. Three is the right number. You know, it's funny because I got a text that Ryan was getting benched and it was before the uh, Schefter uh, reports, but it was, it wasn't inside info. There was a beat writer that said that uh, Ryan was getting benched and this line stayed up for so long at Washington plus four and it stayed up long enough that I was able to get a, a fill for what I need to bet for myself. I said, well, well I'm going to release this as well. And it stayed up for like four or five minutes at, at Washington plus four, which really was, um, I can't believe how slow it moved, but eventually it did move to two and a half. There was a release by somebody else that moved it up from two and a half to three. And I probably think that three is my fair on this. So it ends up being a pass, but you know, there's, there's a lot of contests out there that are going to, put this line at three and a half or two and a half, not like the Circa, the Westgate, but there's a lot of half point pools that I'm in myself. And I know a lot of people are that are going to do this. And if Washington's at three and a half, that would be a, a play for me, but 
it, it's a pass as far as betting goes at uh, plus three. It's going to be a pass as far as watching goes for me too. I think that's uh, a <laughs> catch up on the highlights. Um, all right, here we are again, the 49ers and the Rams. Okay, cue the McVay and Shanahan talk and, and how Shanahan owns McVay and all that. But I guess, guys, the real story has to be the injury reports on both sides. Um, heading into this game. It's been all over the place with the spread. Uh, it's been two and a half down to one and a half, back to two and a half. Uh, seen mostly one and a half on this game, some ones out there. But then again, I also see a two and a half. So another game where books are all over the place. There's no uniformity as we talk about this on Wednesday. Um, Hitman, can you shed some light on maybe a good way to approach this game? Haven't bet it yet. But I like San Francisco, and I could envision myself being on them um, a little bit later in the week. Uh, here's a little bit of the logic for why I do like San Fran. Um, Shanahan owned this matchup. 9-3 against the spread. 8-4 and four straight up against Sean McVay, despite the fact that Shanahan was an underdog in 9 of those 12 games. So their ATS margin has been absolutely incredible in this matchup. What have we seen with the Rams this year on offense? They had three terrible games against Buffalo, Dallas, and this 49ers team. What's the common theme with those three matchups? It's that, the nine, it's that those three teams rush four, they get tremendous pressure rushing those four, and they play zone defense behind it. And that obviously that's what the Niners do. And that's what they did in the first matchup against the Rams, where they absolutely dominated this Rams offense. We know that the Rams cannot run the ball. The Niners are one of the elite run defenses in the entire NFL. We know that the Rams cannot pass block. The Niners are one of the elite pass rushes in the NFL um, offensively for the 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo has done very well in this matchup against this Rams defense. And one of the, the, the reasons I think that they've been so successful is the fact that the Rams are a defense that's built off superstars. You have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, but they're not exactly the most deepest group of defensive players. So when Jalen Ramsey theoretically is going against a team, like think about the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, a team that they've had a lot of success against in the past few years. It's like, all right, you put Ramsey on Hopkins. Well, the Cliff King Kingsbury isn't creative enough to, to take advantage of the other weaknesses of this defense. But Kyle Shanahan, with the depth that this pass catching core and the playmakers that the Niners have, you put Ramsey on someone and he takes them away. All right, well, you still have Brandon Ayuk. You still have George Kittle. You still have McCaffrey now in the backfield. So I think that's just a matchup on both sides of the ball that the Niners have dominated. And I always say I'm not a trends guy, but unless the trend has an applicable reason to why that trend is played out that way. And I think that this matchup, there's a reason that San Francisco has won these games. And plus remember the Rams, this isn't really a home game for the Rams. I mean, they're going to be on a silent count. So you could presumably give the Rams zero for home field advantage in this game. And I think that it's I think that the Niners could be three and a half, three points better on a neutral field. So 
I think that the Niners are, are the side to play in this one. Yeah, I mean, if I if if the Niners were fully healthy, I'd easily take the Niners here under field goal. But um, you know, too many injury concerns. But you know, I will say you were talking about kind of the reasons why Shanahan really plays well against McVay's defense, and I, I have heard. I think it was it might have been Eric Eager. It was one of the PFF guys in the uh, before the first time these these two teams faced each other. He said what what happens is you know uh, the Rams don't you know don't like to show their cards on defense. Um, and so they confuse the, the offenses, but what Shanahan and his offense does, they do so much motion and they move guys around that it forces the def- you know, the Rams defense to show their hand early. So it gives you an advantage. And so, um, so that, that's one reason is just the, the way that the offense is designed kind of puts the defense um, on their heels, which is interesting from a schematic standpoint, but you know, where I'm going to look, I'm going to look at the under here. Uh, I think this is, this is, a, there are some incredible trends that have continued to hit uh, in Rams home games that I just can't put my finger as to why, and the market does not adjust. So, and, and this, this, these two teams were lined at 42 in the, in the first matchup. So now we're at 43 and a half. And that's, at least that's what I got. I think it's 43 in a lot of places, which is still fine. But the Rams, since they've moved in the SoFi Stadium, okay, in, 2000, in 2020, the under is hit now in 17 of 22 home games. Okay. And this is not like barely going under either. Um, the 17 games have gone under by, uh, by more than 10 points in every game. It's been, it's crazy on average um, how far off these totals are. And it's funny because at week two before they played Atlanta it was the first home, uh, second home game of the year. I actually took this under because I started to notice this, this trend. And that, that game went over because there was a block punt TD and intentional safety taken by the Rams. And then also um, an interception, a 50 yard interception returned right before the half that turned into a touchdown. So some, you know, essentially 17 fluky points points that got them over. And so I kind of forgot about it. And then it's gone. Every home game since has gone under. So we've got 17 of 22 home games by the Rams have gone under. If you look at even low total games, so games that are 43 and a half or less, the unders four and zero average scoring output is twelve point eight points below uh, the total, so they're going under by just an enormous amount. Um, if you look at these two teams, five of the last six matchups have gone under forty three points, so they play low scoring games in general. Anyway, uh, it's just been incredible just how often the, these games go under, both in Rams home games and then also between these two teams. And then you just like look on the field, like I would never take anything blind, but on the field. We know that the, the defensive pressure is going to get to Matt Stafford. This offensive line we talked about on day-to-day, it's completely beat up. It was already bad to begin with. They lost Joseph Noteboom uh, in that Carolina game before the bye. No one's really talking about it uh, because it happened two weeks ago, but he's their starting left tackle. He was their best offensive lineman remaining. Uh, he obviously took over for um, Andrew Whitworth, who retired. He's out. Uh, guard David Andrews is also out with a concussion. Those are their two best offensive linemen. They're also missing Coleman Shelton, who, who has played some center and guard. He's a backup. He's a fill-in. Um, so it's Brian Allen, their starting center, looks like he's going to come back. So he's really the only positive. The rest of the, the offensive line, there's two starters on that O-line from their opening day lineup that are playing in this game. So you're playing a, an even worse banged-up offensive line than you had a couple of weeks ago against the same Niners defense. Now, the only thing is the Niners defense is banged up, too. Um, you know, Bo- Nick Bosa played last week, wasn't as effective as he normally is. 
Uh, you know, they've got some issues in the secondary. Dre Greenlaw linebacker is questionable. So there's a chance that a couple of those guys could be hurt or could, could be out or not totally effective. Uh, but in general, it's still a good defense. And, and you know, with this offensive line, um, it's just tough for them to even stop them. And then you look at the Niners. The other thing that was keeping me off the Niners is Debo Samuels got a bad hamstring. And going into the bye, I think they sit him. Uh, honestly, I don't think that you mess around, play him uh, too soon. Uh, right before your buy could really linger for the rest of the season. Then it could, you know, screw you for the, for, you know, the rest of the year. I think they're going to sit him. We'll see what happens. This is my guess, but you know, he could be out and then Kyle use check their, their fullback. And normally you wouldn't care about a fullback, but he's out with a broken finger. I mean, he's a big deal in that offense. He's our lead blocker. He catches passes. I mean, they put him out in, in, in uh, running slants and running uh, real routes. So like they can, that's a big loss for them. So, and I think they're going to want to show off Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's kind of their new shiny toy. He, 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 you know, looked pretty good in, in limited snaps last week. I think they're going to give him more of the playbook. I think they're going to give him the ball a lot more, uh, run the ball, you know, quick passes. So that also helps from an under perspective because it's going to be a lot of shorter stuff. Um, so there's going to be a lot more, you know, clocks going to be running. So, I don't know. It's a lot of, and these teams play slow anyway. Rams are dead last in neutral game pace. The Niners are 28th. Like, so we're talking about two slow teams, two teams that know each other inside out, that that always play low-scoring games. We have this insane trend about these home games with the Rams. The market just is wrong by by a lot with their home games in terms of the total. Um, Debo could miss the game. Like there's just so many different reasons to take this under. So uh, I hope I uh, didn't go overboard with it, but like I just it's like one. I know one of these days this trend is going to turn around and, and you know it's going to go start going over, but the market has not adjusted seeing as how this total is a point and a half higher than it was two, three weeks ago in San Francisco. Why is it higher in LA? I don't get it. Is it because of the banged up 49ers defense? Maybe, but the Rams offensive line is worse now. So I think that all sets each other. And, you know, I expect a low scoring game either way. Sounds like we like the Rams team total under. Yeah. Why was it? So it's probably like 21 and a half. Yeah. You guys got me sold on that. Okay. Low scoring game, especially for the Rams run the clock out with Christian McCaffrey. Man, I'm sold. A lot of injuries in this game. And and if I know anything from talking to you guys over the last couple of months, it's going to be watch the injury report and see who's ruled out and when they are. Okay, TA, our Giants, our yeah. six and one straight up and against the spread How about Giants. about them, huh? Um, <laughs> is this going to be the week? <laughs> because we keep thinking it's going to happen. Um, looking at about a field goal, uh, they're they're getting on the road here in Seattle. This game opened two and a half for the Seahawks. It's moved to three. Seattle's looked good, man. Like as good as a four and three straight up and against the spread team can look with Geno Smith doing stuff that. Listen, if you had Geno Smith doing what he's doing, um, you should be on this podcast because uh, it's 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 unbelievable, frankly. And, and Seattle's back at home where there's a little bit something special there. So, do we? Has the magic run out for the Giants yet? Will, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of, you know, I kind of like them here. Um, I, it's, it's a tough travel spot. So that's the biggest issue. And then they've got some injuries um, with Evan Neal at right tackle, although he hasn't really played that great. So, um, but you know, you go from New York to Jacksonville back home to New York. Now you're going all the way across country to Seattle. Um, they are, that is a tough trip. I will say what would keep me, uh, you know, away from Seattle for sure is uh, DK Metcalf is probably not going to play. I mean, I've seen some people say that, you know, he hasn't practiced yet this week. I mean, they thought it was a serious knee injury. So I think they, um, 
they're not afraid of that anymore. But I, I would be surprised if he played this week. So, you know, that's a big piece that's missing. And then the thing with Geno Smith, as well as he's playing, you know, he has come back to, to life, uh, come back to earth a little bit the last couple of weeks. Uh, and some of that is because, you know, he's struggled against the Blitz uh, and against Arizona. They Blitz, you know, we talked about the second highest rate. And now the Giants and Wink Martindale come into town. They are the number one blitz heavy team in the NFL. Uh, he's third in PFF grade without a blitz, 22nd when facing a blitz. Um, and so, you know, his, you know, he had his second worst EPA game of the season against Arizona. Uh, again, heavy blitz team, seven to 13 for 83 yards. And he took three sacks when he was blitzed. So from that pure matchup perspective, especially if DK Metcalf's out, I think the Giants will, will stay in this game. Again, that's what they do. They just kind of stick around, make a couple big plays, get stops in the red zone, and then you know let Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley essentially make uh, make plays in the run game uh, and manufacture some play action bootlegs um, to, to end up eking, eking games out. So to me, it's the Giants are nothing right now. If Metcalf does play, then maybe you know that's something to uh, you know stay away from the Giants. But I think if this if he is declared out, I think this gets back down to two and a half. Um, maybe some juice, but um, but I don't think that's priced in just yet. So to me, it's Giants or nothing. Um, that's just uh, – I know they're, they've they overperformed. And you look at, again, my uh, kind of fourth quarter win probability numbers. They're number one biggest overperformer. Some of that is just because Daniel Jones just makes plays with his legs. And some of that is because they're really good in some of these high leverage situations on defense. And Brian Dayball's, you know, very good game manager. Uh, and some of it is just luck. So <laughs> it's a combination of the two. It's going to come crashing down soon, but I'm not sure if it's this week or not. Yeah, I've lost enough money betting against the Giants. I probably would have bet against them this week if uh, DK Metcalf was healthy for this game, especially because Metcalf has just crushed man coverage, which the Giants are going to be facing. But, or excuse me, what the Seahawks are going to be facing. But ultimately, I think at three, the line's right. I would have looked towards Seattle at two and a half, but three, I think the line's right. And I'm not going to lose no more money against the Giants. <laughs> That's a good it is crazy. Look, as someone who's got, I've talked a million times about how I have a lot of exposure here to the Giants. Like I didn't expect this and they are getting lucky. Like I expected them to win games against the Lions and the Texans and, you know, the, and Jags, but like some of these, you know, you don't expect them to beat the Ravens and the Packers and, uh, the Titans and just it's it's crazy what's going on but I mean good for them like you know they, they believe and sometimes like that can win you an extra game or two um, but you know uh, at some point you're gonna have to make some more plays on offense through the pass game so we'll see what happens well good for them and good for you what was the win total number that you had them at preseason I have been seven I have uh, them 10 to 1 to win the NFC East I have them seven to one to make the playoffs. Like there's, I have a bunch of, bunch of different, I actually have them 20 to one to win or 25 to one to win the NFC. Like I took a lot of these back in May and June. Um, uh, and it's funny because some of it was coaching change, uh, easy schedule and injury regression. The problem is the injuries have still been there like that. They're still getting screwed from wide receiver perspective, but you know, everything else has kind of hit and they're winning a lot of the close games. And so some of that regression has come back, but, um, yeah, I didn't expect this for sure. So it's kind of fun to see the Giants good again, you know. Oh, it's great. And you're right. They have no receivers, so maybe it can only get better. But um, I know a lot of Giants fans who are just waiting for that other shoe to drop and for them to end up at 6-6 six and six here any any minute. So um, 
something else that I don't think anybody saw, and I just went back to an article that was posted on August 17th that had lines for every game in the season. And Sunday, October 30th, Green Bay Packers plus four at the Buffalo Bills. Well, that number's long gone, and I don't know if you guys got it at the time. Uh, This game opened up at 11. It's sitting at about 10.5 pretty much everywhere right now, although I do see uh, during the show here, there's there's actually 11.5 on the board uh, at some some well-known sports books, total at 47.5. I, I guess it's Aaron Rodgers' funeral. Is that what's happening here? Everybody's everybody's just said that's it that they're done. Um, uh, let's start with uh, Hitman here and uh, get his thoughts on the Sunday nighter. Yeah, I, I don't got much. I mean, I will say that Aaron Rodgers throughout his career has been a little bit of a front runner, and when they do get these big deficits, they have tended they tend to not play as well. So I, I don't know. I mean. I could see it going off the rails with Green Bay. I mean, Rodgers is calling out his receivers. He's calling out his coach. The defense has played as soft as you can imagine, and Buffalo is a team that will run it up on teams. At the same time, I mean, I could theoretically see a backdoor by Rodgers to, to land this game 10. It's a, it's a pass for me. Yeah, I don't know how you model this game out. Uh, I mean, the Packers just – they just have no explosiveness on offense. They can't block. Um, but I would never – I can't lay 11 in this game. I mean, they're, they're essentially you're um, pricing the Packers like a bottom five, six team. I don't know. Uh, it, this is a tough one. I, I wouldn't touch this game right now. <laughs> but uh, it's going to be fun because I, I just think it's one of those where it's kind of to see – I mean, if they get completely crushed, like do, do the Packers just fold on the season, I, you know? That's where I'm interested in seeing the fallout if if they end up getting completely blown out. He may just check out. So um, more interested in the fallout than actual <laughs> betting the game right now. Yeah, Pat McAfee's podcast will be must listen uh, for the rest of this. I listen. It's it's wild, and you know at the same time I, I kind of think okay, he lost basically his entire receiving core except Randall Cobb uh, in a in a changeover, um, and now he he's been hurt. So you know. It, can they fix it? And it's a big challenge for for Matt Lafleur as well. And but in order to to have that challenge succeed, you've got to have the buy in of your of your MVP. Which you're right, it doesn't look like um, anybody has <laughs> right now. All right, okay, that does it for Sunday. And then on Monday, Halloween night, and what could be scarier than a Cleveland Browns home game? Um, they are home home underdogs right now to the uh, state rival Cincinnati Bengals. This line is actually all over the place, and I'm seeing it three and a half down to one and a half. Um, man, this uh, I don't know why we're so all over the place here, uh, and these are reputable books. So let's go right to their, our man in, in Ohio. What do you got for us? Yeah, I, I haven't take, taken this yet, but I, I'm, you know, looking at the Browns here, uh, three and a half point underdogs at home. I, you know, Chargers were what uh, three weeks ago they were minus one, I believe, uh, in Cleveland. You know, the Browns were favored by two and a half at home against the Patriots two weeks ago. Like, why, I don't understand why the Bengals are you know, jumping over this three number. Um, you know, I think there was a a release on this one too that got it from three to three and a half. I think it's, it's a little bit overdone. I'm just waiting honestly for, um, I need Denzel Ward to be 
uh, cleared from his concussion in this last week's game with the Ravens. You know, they need all the corners they can get. I mean, Greg Newsom's a good corner already. So if they can get Denzel back, you know, they should be okay. And that's for me a, a buy signal. Um, so I'm looking the Browns way, like the Browns, similar to the Jags are just completely underachieved. They, I mean, they easily could win. Um, they could have, you know, four wins here, five wins. They just, all they do is play, except for the Patriots game, they play coin flip games. And, you know, they're one of those teams that because you have such a great offensive line and great run game, and you've got star players on defense, like Miles Garrett, like you're in every game because you can control the line of scrimmage. You know, they just don't have that, you know, the quarterback who can, you know, drive them down and win them games. And they have just unlucky breaks. I mean, Amari Cooper catches a game winning touchdown uh, on a third and two, and they call offensive pass interference, a very ticky tack call that you never see in the NFL that late in the game. And they called it and they got unlucky and it cost them, you know, the game because they, they, you know, got a 60 yard field goal blocked. You know, it's just that they get all these unlucky breaks. So, but they're in every game and from a point differential, standpoint from an underlying metric standpoint they're clearly not three and a half points worse than, than the Bengals at home especially on a monday night on halloween like the crowd's gonna be you know it's gonna be pretty loud and i know that you know everyone's kind of on the Bengals now because they're they've, they've decided to go shotgun a lot more and they're gonna throw it a lot and and that's fine and i get that uh but you know the the browns have actually had joe burrow's number uh he hasn't beaten the browns uh in his career so you know like they, they can they can defend that team if they've got Denzel Ward back. They've got a good, you know, secondary. The the Cincinnati offensive line still is not good. So you've got Jadavian Clowney and uh Miles Garrett back there who's gonna be able to put pressure. So I don't know. I think that run game is gonna always keep some in the game and they can control it. And so to me, over a field goal makes a lot of sense here. But again, I, I just want that I need I need Denzel Ward to be uh cleared for for me to feel comfortable here. They're gonna they're gonna miss uh David and Joku on offense, but not the end of the world. No, no tight, no kind of, you know, above average starting tight end is going to uh, affect the point spread here. So uh, to me, it's just Cleveland or pass. Don't got much on this game. And I always, whenever I don't have much, I defer to TA. So I'm rolling with what TA's breakdown was. <laughs> <laughs> just a cosign, a cosign. Hey, we're all going to be out trick-or-treating at that time. Maybe we'll be back uh, and just loading up on candy when, uh, when uh, when it's time to uh, let me do that again, we're all going to be out trick or treating at that time anyway. Maybe we'll get back in time for kickoff, but there'll be a whole lot of candy to uh, inspect, is what the adults do on Halloween night. And listen, I know you do it. Don't lie. You inspect the candy. You got to pay the parent tax. All that good stuff. So uh, there it is. That's the preview for Week Eight in the NFL whole lot of good stuff like i said off the top make sure you listen to this when it drops that's what you're doing right now and then listen to it again sunday morning before you place your final bets a whole lot of good information in here as the boys say always 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 follow the injury report between now and when the final actives and inactives are announced on sunday all right guys thanks so much again ta he is at clev ta on twitter clev analytics is his website and then we've got the Hitman at Hitman428 on Twitter, always doing good stuff. Multiple shows per week with this guy. Uh, loves his sides and props too. So check out what's that show called again, Hitman? Props and Hops, and it's on Friday. There you go. Props and Hops on Friday for all kinds of NFL and other sports 
uh, check out the Hammer Betting Network at thehammer.bet or at thehammerhq on Twitter. My name is Chris Abbott. I am at Real Chris Abbott, Chris with a K. And we will see you guys for week nine, assuming I get out of Detroit alive. Good night.